Radio. The Atlanta Braves. Do not change your dial. Do not look at your calendar. The Atlanta Braves are going to the World Series. No, it's time to party. Let's go. Like 1999. Yes. First time. Got a shot. In 22 years. Got a shot, Chris. The Atlanta Braves are playing in the Fall Classic. PJ, I am going to be an emotional mess this Saturday. I can't wait. I'm looking forward I'm to I'm glad I won't be not here. Not hearing glad, from you at I'm all. I'm glad <laughs> you guys won't be around me. I'm going to be in the press box down at TIA Bank Stadium for Georgia, Florida. Even better. And you have that and then trying to get home. Luckily, they don't they don't overlap because the entire press box would probably be an emotional wreck. Yeah. But you have Game 4 of the World Series. It's a real thing. I don't think you can say that enough. I feel no, like I have absolutely. to say that in all caps because like, if you're a Dodgers fan or an Astros fan, you're like, oh, it's the World Series. What we do? Going to the World Series. I just I don't know how to feel about it. I was telling you earlier. Uh, usually I, at this point of the season, I am. I mean, it's football season, obviously. Yeah. I am so like unemotionally invested in baseball. Right. I could give two rips about <laughs> watching the Dodgers and the Astros play in the World Series. I'm just being honest. I know there's a lot of baseball fans out there. I I don't care unless it's the Braves. I don't care. But Saturday. Watching them clinch that game, and there's a lot I want to talk about from that game, but watching them clinch that game, and I know it's not the culmination because, like, the legendary Kobe Bryant said, job's not done. That's it. You still have four more games you need to win. Exactly. You can't just be happy about this. But still, I think guys like Brian Snicker and Freddie Freeman are absolutely allowed to just sit there and relish in that moment and just enjoy it because they have absolutely earned it. Go back and read the stories about Brian Snitker and how he came up through the Braves and just being called up all the way to the pros and being a, a position coach and a third base coach and then being sent back down to AAA and then being sent back down to low A and just moving his family all around and then getting the phone call that, hey, we want you to be the interim uh, after we fire Freddie Gonzalez and then driving down to spring training, getting the phone call that it, he's the guy. Like go go read Brian Snitker's story over thirty years of professional baseball, and now he gets to manage a team in the World Series. And he said it in the post game on TBS. So usually, I'm at home in my my Barca lounger watching other teams do this. <laughs> right. And he's like, it just felt so far away from us being able to do this. And I know Alex Anthopoulos is getting a lot of credit for this because, and deservedly so, basically saying, hey, we got a we got a shot here. Let's go for it. And management saying, "All right, you got whatever you need," which I thought that was one of the cooler stories from the post game. Is like the manage, like the story comes out that it wasn't just, "Hey, I was within a budget." Management for the Braves said, "You got whatever you need." Yeah, Alex Anthopoulos, go go after it and get it done. But everyone was calling for Snickers' job. There was a lot of Lloyd Pierce, Nate McMillan comparisons going on. We're like, "Look, the the Hawks were really good. They just had a bad coach. Mm-hmm. You fire him mid season, and look what Nate McMillan was able to do." If if you were thinking that way, you haven't been paying attention to what Brian Snitker has led this Braves team from. Think just think about four years ago, where this Braves team was. Yeah. When you had those young guys coming up and playing the last forty or so games of the season, like the Ozzy Albies and the Ronald Acuna's, who you hadn't really heard of before, right? Think think about where they were, and then now you've won what four consecutive division titles. You've been to the NLCS twice in the past two years, and you just won one, and you're going to your first World Series since nineteen ninety nine. 
It's incredible. He's he's a it's amazing mm-hmm. what Brian Snitker has been able to do, and now you just have to win four games. That's it. That's it. No, exactly right. I, I mean, and this wasn't just something that it, it's not something that's gone away either. I, I mean, think of what, of course, as you mentioned, what the whole organization was able to do after the all-star break and uh, with, with Alex Anthopoulos and the Braves organization being able to make those trades and, and bring who they needed to in. But also you, you got to have that team to mesh. You got to put those guys in the right spot. You have to manage them well and believe Snit was able to do that. Uh, and obviously very well, not only through the last half of the regular season, but also uh, in throughout the playoffs, but th- still th- those things have not gone away or changed. Uh, still had had statuses and things like that and conversations with people after I think it was one loss to the Brewers and saw someone say, "All right, this is it. It's a, I, I just he can't he can't do it. He can't make yeah. the decisions he needs to make for us to win a World Series to get to the World Series." That that still has not gone away for whatever reason. But look 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 at where they are, you know. And like you said, this isn't. A celebration of it's over. We got to the World Series. We're done. Our our job is complete. This is fantastic. But it is a recognition of, like you said, the the journey that these guys have been on, the the things that they've had to work through. And for me, um, I I think all those things are great. And I think, like what you said, the, the story of of uh, Snicker is insane and something that people should cherish. Yeah. And you, you know. Also, you look at the guys on this team, and the you know the not only the like the managers but the coaches on this team as well. Like, I mean, what what what's that? I, look I'm, for? So, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is completely off of left field. Sure. Why why do you have glitter on your face? I don't know. Do I? <laughs> I'm not sure. You got some glitter on that right cheek. Where are you uh, celebrating that win at on Saturday, PJ? The the Braves win. Yeah. Well, let's be real. Where where would you get glitter on your face? At? Yeah. Anyway, carrying on. Let, no, uh, let's let's be honest. Something happened on Saturday, and if if you know who I'm a fan of, you know what happened. So we don't. We're going to talk about no, that. No, no, so we don't have to talk about it. But I kind of mental it like I think my body disappeared for a good seven or eight hours before hmm. I like came to again. So uh, I don't know. Okay, so you could have you could have gone somewhere where glitter is very prevalent. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't no, know. but just. Speaking on Snicker, Game Six, Ian Anderson's pitched four strong innings, given up one run, and you have you're, you're in the bottom of that inning there, and you have two outs and a runner on first, and the rubber is Travis Darno, who had just legged out an infield single, right? So you have Travis Darno, who is probably the slowest guy, definitely since you traded Pablo Sandoval, but probably the slowest guy <laughs> yeah. on your roster, right? Right. So he's on first. You have two outs. Pitcher spot coming up. Ian Anderson's pitched really well. All right, do we really want to send somebody up here, or do you just say Ian Anderson go out there and hit? If you can get something great, if not, you can still keep pitching, right? So Snaker makes a decision. I'm gonna go ahead and pinch hit Adrianza. Yeah, and I just want to read. So Grant McCauley tweeted out Brian Snaker opting to go with Adrianza as a pinch hitter after two out walk to Travis Darno. It was the walk, excuse me, that he was on base for. He did have an infield single. Uh, so just the 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 comments below that about Ian Anderson. And Brian Snaker, absolutely horrible. It's a catcher on first. Nope, Adrianza will strike out all the same. Don't like this move. Let's see, horrible decision. These are they're all so good. <laughs> the knee jerk reactions are, are some of the best things in sports. Well, no, it's just it's just there are so Hilarious. many there are so many great tweets in here. Uh, absolutely horrible. 
absolutely disgusting. I mean, there's a, literally someone says disgusting in there. Uh, <laughs> it's a catcher on first. Like uh, Snicker knows what position Travis Darno plays. But then what happens? Adrianza hits a rope down the line mm-hmm. again because old Travis Darno, he's not overly speedy. He only makes it a third. And so you have runners on second and third, two outs, and you have your the hottest hitter in baseball come up. Yeah. And what happens from there? Three run Jack, you're up four to one, and we know how the rest of that story played out. I think the only criticism you can really have for Snit and is he's loyal to a fault sometimes, but he's also loyal to where the media and fans overreact and he ends up being right. Like Will Smith has been really good. And everybody was ready to just absolutely just like not even trade Will Smith, just cut him, get rid of him. Yeah. There's so many constant questions, and Brian Snicker yeah. just kind of laughed him off the whole year. He's like, No, he's our closer. Right. Like he's our closer. And he I think he had the third most closes before uh the or during the regular season and then he gets to the postseason. He's been unbelievable during the postseason. And I think the only thing you can really question is the Luke Jackson move. Yeah. But also right. Luke Jackson for stretches of the season has been one of your best bullpen guys. But it was just it was one of those games, PJ, where it just felt like every move the Braves made worked out. Cause even though you bring in Luke Jackson and he gives up two walks and then a double. Yeah. I believe is how that went. You had runners on first and second, gives up a double, gives up a run. You have runners on second and third, nobody out, and you can finally go get him because you have the three batter minimum rule. You can finally go get him, and who do you bring in? Tyler Matzik, and he has the most dominant six-out performance that I think I've seen from a bullpen guy in a long time. Crazy, yeah. Just on fire. Is that kind of the, like, not to make this too, like, storybook or whatever, is that kind of like the culmination of how the season's gone, though? I mean, like, you have you have a lot of hot like a lot of things going well, and then like all of a sudden something happens that just keeps keeps you on the back foot a little bit. Like you have the off and on win streak, win loss streak. You have yeah, the 500, injury, 500, 500, yeah, you have 500, the injury 500, with the yeah. and things like that. So like everything's like, and then boom, all of a sudden you have Matzik come in. You have the the, the fire of the late innings. I, I mean, it's, well, Matzik, it's interesting Matzik how been with the race for a while, and like, he's he's yeah. been really good. It's just he hasn't been this good, but he's been lights out this season. Yeah. But just it's A.J. Minter who was atrocious midway through this year. You send him down to AAA, he gets his mind right. He was dominant in AAA, bring him back up. He's been really good yeah. since he came back up. So those those three lefty arms really in Matzik, A.J. Minter, and Will Smith have been phenomenal for you in the postseason. And I think that's a big advantage going into the series. You have those lefties in that pin who can get it done. You don't really have a righty right now that you feel overly comfortable throwing as a bullpen guy where you're like, all right, this guy's going to come in and get it done. I mean, Chris Martin's good for a home run every time he comes in. <laughs> He's throwing some BP fastballs up there. But, I mean, even speaking, sticking with lefties, Drew Smiley, he came in and gave you four really solid innings. Yeah. When you really needed him to in a bullpen game. So A lot of people were cringing when Yeah, when I was one of them. Too. I mean, and I, yeah. I cringed the entire time because every time <laughs> – he get it, got an out. It was it looked like that thing was going about eight rows deep, right. but it was just there were such soft pitches that they ended up just being fly out. So it's it's awesome. I, I just kind of want to celebrate. We, listen, we'll do the Nick Saban thing. We can celebrate right now. We'll cut it off here. Uh, let, let's cut it off at three and out. Three and out can cut it off. We will cut it off at three yeah, o'clock. Right. You have until three o'clock to celebrate. Then we got to get our minds right for tomorrow, where the Braves open up the World Series. It's a thing, man. It's like. It's a balance. You can appreciate something, but not think like, "All right, we're celebrating that we got here, and this is it." Like, no, it's not. Like, be happy. Like, this is an extremely notable thing. Like, 
if this would have happened last year, I mean, think about where we were last year. At yeah, this no, time, no, you know? no, no, no. Yeah, in, like in a bad but, way. In like, a bad I mean, be, way. be happy about it, but no, that doesn't mean the preparation. All ends. right, I'm glad I have you here because you can get set for the Astros. You can you can walk me through this. So Tuesday and Wednesday we have games one and games two of that series. Both of those are in Houston, uh, and then you come back for three straight Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Atlanta, and we have pretty much so, or it's going to be post eight o'clock first pitches. In all of those games. Yeah. So tomorrow, 809 first pitch. I'm just gonna guess because I think I know how this works, but I don't know because you're kind of we're switching away from the Braves Radio Network here and we have to go to okay. the national. So is that still a six thirty-ish close pregame? Uh, I, well, I mean, I'll have to check in with Kevin, but uh normally for a broadcast seven like that, it's probably gonna seven. be seven. Kevin thought up a seven. So See? we have a seven o'clock pregame. Just can't just can't wait on my answer. Well, it's gonna be seven. It's well, you said be... Kevin's name, and then he, he threw, he chucked uh, out those, that, that, that seven. No, yeah. no, but it's the it's the one hour. It's just like you're playing a, a, a Sunday night or a Monday night baseball gotcha. broadcast, one hour pregame. So again, game one coming up tomorrow at eight oh nine. So seven o'clock pregame coverage starts for you, and you will be able to hear them on all of our stations: ESPN Radio Hilton Head, ESPN Radio Savannah, ESPN Radio Coastal, ESPN Okefenokee. And ahead. that'll be how it is. Yeah, uh, all all the way through the World Series, of yep. course. Well, I mean, anyway, you get into Saturday, it might be a little bit different, but but no, th- those one hour pregame. Yeah, you might not have the pregame on Saturday in Savannah, right? Because you'll have Georgia, right, and exactly. Florida. I mean, yeah. again, that's going to be just a day. Oh, that's going to be incredible! It's going to be incredible. Well, let's just let's keep it there. So much anxiety. I don't want for Georgia to think sports about fans the other that possibility. Day. You know like, what I mean? You're going to be like <laughs> like if things go well and Georgia beats Florida, which there's a Good chance that happens. Not a great chance, a good chance. Anything can happen in a rivalry. Uh, you have that game, and then like you'll be like, yeah, all right, we got to get locked in for game four. Because like, like, dream scenario, you're going into game four ready to just get this one done. Yeah, exactly. Realistic scenario, it's a big game that you're going to need. Yeah, most, most likely. I mean, game four is extremely important no matter what. Like, it, it, could, be, it could be the end of the series, or it could be you know, the, the swing game. A two one either way yeah. and and trying to figure out. Listen, uh, we got so many great storylines in this two, World two, Series. So. You have Dusty Baker, who's the manager for the Astros, and he made his debut as a pro player at 19 years old for the Atlanta Braves. He was actually on deck when Hank Aaron hit 715. Amazing. Like, so like yeah. he, you have him, and it's it's the same year Hank Aaron passed away. The Braves wearing 44 on their hats this year, mm-hmm. and obviously 44 mowed into the center field and been honoring Hank Aaron all year. You have Snit, who's been with the Braves. For so long, getting to manage. You have Freddie yeah. Freeman, who I think he's been with the Braves for 11 years. These are 11 or 12 years. Somewhere and he's finally there, yeah. made a World Series. So, so many cool storylines. Somehow one, it feels like long. But one of my favorite yeah. is you have Charlie Morton, who played in so many crucial games yeah. for the Houston Astros and came up with so many big moments going in game one for the Atlanta Braves in Houston. Yep. That's going to be awesome. So, so many cool storylines. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to move on. I know you just want to bask in the glow of the NLCS, but we got to talk some college football. Let's keep doing that. No, no, let's, let's no, no. We're going to talk Braves. some college football because we had something that has never happened before. We got yeah. the debut of the new college football overtime rule. and I can't wait. PJ to... intrinsically involved in that. So we're going to dive into that when we come back. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio. Uh. Hey, PJ. Hello. Listen, this is a therapy session. I'm happy that <laughs> I'm not going to say that. This is a safe space. This is Second Down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Is it? Well, is it, it is safe? that. It is Second Down on ESPN Radio, it presented is. to you by the Uniform Source. I don't know if it's safe for me, though. 
don't know if it's safe for anyone right now. Well, listen, our our own PJ Zuko, our Penn State representative here. Hello. You had a rough weekend. That's an understatement. Um, what I mean, what sucks so is let's just, else let's about just, it was pretty fun. Let's just like, rip the Band-Aid off. Uh, Penn State lost to Illinois. Okay, can we talk about this? Websites that still have <laughs> autoplay audio in 2021 can go straight to hell, but carrying on. <laughs> so uh, Illinois came in 2-5. and five. Fresh off the hills of Brett Bielema saying, my offensive linemen suck. I can't win with any of them. Mm-hmm. Fresh off of that, they come in and beat Penn State in nine overtimes. Wait for it. 20 to 18. 79. To, oh, wait. Oh, it was 20 to 18? In nine overtimes. 20 to 18. Now, if this had been a couple years ago, the only way that could have happened is if both offenses were just atrocious or missing field goals all over the place and couldn't score any points, right? And you're just like, it's just back and forth zeros up on there, which is kind of the case. But in case you missed the memo, in college football, after the second overtime, I believe it is, PJ? Yeah. After the second overtime, that now. You, have to, you have to now just go for two. And it's not like, oh, you scored a touchdown, and so now you have to go for two like they did. In the- no, no, no. You, it's just you're going for two back and forth. And so one team's on offense, one team's on defense. If one team gets it and the defensive team doesn't get it, then boom, game over. If they both miss and you flip it, you flip sides of the field, you flip who's going first. And so in this game, those guys had, what, 98 yards times eight that they had to walk? Yeah. Back and forth? Right. So I read you that. That was my favorite part. So they could get a full commercial break in between that just because the guys <laughs> had to run. That's it. So we'll go 98 times 8. These guys had to walk 784 yards in overtime. Those poor referees. But I just, I listen, I just, I want to go through and talk about some of this stuff, PJ, because, I mean, it is fascinating. I mean, you have to kind of separate yourself from it. I'm sorry, but it is what it is. Sure. You lost. I shouldn't say you. I'm sorry. Penn State lost to a quarterback. <laughs> PJ, in the year of our Lord, 2021, they lost to a quarterback who threw for 38 yards. And what's amazing about that is, what's amazing about that is, you're not going to see this on the stat sheet because I don't think the stats count when it, when it gets to that point. <laughs> oh, but they count. What's, well, I'm not sure. Um, I, 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 I didn't go back and look at the box score. So, um, What's amazing is the quarterback that threw for th- 38 yards and was in for, yes, played the whole game and several overtimes isn't even the quarterback that threw the successful two-point conversion it's true. And to win like the, the game. seventh overtime uh Illinois starting quarterback Sitkowski yeah that broke guy got, his wrist that guy got hurt that guy and, and not to make the mothership mad but uh ESPN's pretty pretty good at taking gross injuries yeah. and replaying them on slow motion 19 times. Well, like, dude, what in the, why are you doing this to us? It's disgusting. That's a different conversation. I kind of have a different take on that. I do think the audience is entitled if they're watching that to see what happened during the play. That's just my opinion. One time? Sure. I think as soon as, yeah, I don't think you need to keep replaying it over and over and over he again. But I think like as soon as you can establish, oh yeah, that's bad, then okay, we can go ahead and move on from that. But. Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Like. But. That being said. This the the scoring summary is absolutely fascinating to me. I was me. trying to change the so- subject so bad. Penn State goes up seven to nothing in the first quarter. They go up ten to nothing early in the second. 
I or Illinois, excuse me, comes back. They score a touchdown in the second quarter, ten to seven. We we hold that score all the way through the third quarter. Then they come out. Illinois hits a thirty-seven yard field goal, ten to ten, going to overtime. And that was a whole thing. It's just ten ten against Illinois in Happy Valley. I, I told you this earlier. Penn State is Clemson North. Right Ama- now amazing elite defense. Yeah. Absolutely atrocious on offense. So we go to overtime. Here's let, my let favorite me, part. Let, let me say this one okay, more go thing. Ahead. Penn State had three turnovers to to Illinois zero. They scored three points off of those turnovers. It's f- phenomenal. And three and two of the. Do you three, think your defensive guys wanted to fight the offensive guys? Absolutely. Right. Two of the three. Well, two of the three turnovers as well were recovered inside Illinois' thirty yard line, <laughs> and you got three points. <laughs> So there's that. Oh man! All right. So carrying on. Yep. We're going to overtime, ten to ten. Uh, both teams trade field goals in the first one. Fascinating. Cause Illinois has to hit a thirty-nine yard field goal. Uh, so you trade field goals, yep. and then we flip it. You trade field goals again. This time, Penn State has to hit a forty-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. Just offensive juggernauts. So we have now played two overtimes, and the score is sixteen to sixteen. Then we take a big old break from second overtime to the eighth overtime. Before points are put on the board. That's right, folks. They went through the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh. Count them. Five overtimes without either team being able to convert a two-point conversion. It's what we call college football purgatory, people. Like, I think some people call it hell. No, hell was the ninth overtime, but... That for you. That's what, like, as, as I don't know, even as a Penn State fan... Watching that display of football. Well, okay, so they had Dan Orlowski on the call, and I love Dan Orlowski. I think I think he's done a really good job in the play-by-play. Yeah, I did all right. Yeah. He he kept like trying his best because it's like he's a quarterback trying to talk about two like really bad offenses, yep. and so he kept trying to do his best. Be like, all right, so like, listen, you're Penn State, you got Noah Kane, you got to get him the ball. They'd give the ball to Noah Kane, and he just gets swallowed up in the backfield. Yeah. Like it was just it was there was no creative play calling, there was no motion, there was no booting the quarterback out and trying to get somebody going the wrong way. It was just hand the ball up the middle. Okay, that didn't work. All right, we're gonna go with a flag route from the two yard line. Hope that okay, that's covered up. My quarterback's just gonna throw it out of the back of the end zone. And Dan Rolowski brought up a great point because both quarterbacks did this. It's a two point conversion, throw an interception. Who cares? Yeah. Literally, exactly. why would you throw the football away on a two-point conversion? Who are you trying to save yardage for? Uh, I can't yeah. take a sack there. What are you talking about? And and this is this is where my argument, one of my arguments comes in, right? Is like I posted this on Twitter. You guys have heard it ninety-seven times. I get it. You, it's we have Johan Dotson, who might be the best wide receiver in college football. He has dropped count them. One pass this year, and that's not for lack of, of receptions. He has dropped one pass. Like you said, interceptions don't matter. How Once we got into the two-point conversion phase, how many balls went to him? Zero. Okay, yeah. Zero. That was bad, but let's talk about what makes it worse. We talk about not not having interceptions as a, yeah. as a you know, it, it not mattering. Throw it up. Even yeah. if you're in trouble and the play's not supposed to go to right, him. Just throw it at him. Just, just throw it at him and hope something good happens. Yeah. All right, so you go five overtimes without allowing a two-point conversion if you're Penn State. Then you go back-to-back overtimes, eighth and ninth, giving up a two-point conversion. <laughs> and so... Even better. Yeah. You have to score. Right. You have to score. And what is Penn State's decision on 
how they they're gonna put up their two point version because they go first in the ninth, right? Yep. Yeah, they yep. go first in the bottom of the ninth there. No, that was the oh. top of the ninth in this game in overtime. Oh yeah, top yeah. of the ninth. Oh, yeah. that top, was terrible. That was, I know so what you're, you go yeah. you go wide receiver reverse throwback to Sean Clifford, and the play was open for like a negative five yard gain. Yeah, but I mean he was wide open, but no, but he was still. gonna get no, he was gonna get his clock cleaned. That Man. play was it wasn't open. Man. And like Sean Clifford was still behind the line of scrimmage when the ball got to him. So they do like a jet sweep, reverse it back to the wide receiver. Sean Clifford runs out into the flat, and the wide receiver throws him the ball, and it's like down by his ankles. Clifford drops the ball, he still gets cleaned out, and then and then Illinois hits theirs and it's over. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'll go back and watch. But but either, either way, no, you're right. That that play call was insanely embarrassing. Um and uh, again, I've said this before too, and that's not that's not what you need to do. Like that. That's not what you do as the seventh ranked team in the nation, as a, a program like Penn State. That even if they're not incredibly like great at football and an elite and and you know whatever. That's not what you do in those moments. You impose your will on the opposing team, and no matter what it is, and you use the best athletes you have in their best roles. And repeatedly, that does not happen for this team. True. When for this team, when it matters most, like you can go back years to the games we lost against Michigan State and Ohio State in 2016, and and all that. All it, that it would jazz, be. It'd be right? like it'd be like, like Ohio State going for two and not being able to get it all those times and never throwing a pass to Chris Olave. In yeah, in your biggest moments, you didn't go to the the guys who do it the best at their best All positions. Right. Instead, you choose a throwback to your quarterback this, who yeah. also this is, is getting dark. Hold on, who also is injured. Has played the whole game like hobbling around in the backfield and getting up after 30 seconds lying on the ground. Like not smart, man. That's that's not what you draw up. Sorry, it's just it's never going to work. This is getting dark. We're going to come back. We're going to lighten it up. So we're going to talk about whatever the hell happened with Oklahoma. Uh, we're going to talk about why Bryce Young, I think, has now separated himself as the Heisman front runner. Uh, he, did, he did something that no Alabama quarterback has ever done before. So we'll talk about that and why I think Alabama has two Heisman contenders. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what could have been a great game. Still could be, but now it's more of an upset watch, I think, for that game. So we, we got some more college football to talk about. We'll do it. Three and outs coming up next. Guys have a big week planned coming up. A ton of Georgia-Florida guests coming up on the show today. We'll continue that trend throughout the week. And then, of course, on Thursday, ourselves and 3 and Out will be out at the Westin on Jekyll Island from 2 to 6, broadcasting live. We'll be back there on Friday from 2 to 6, leading up to Ben Troops 2021 Florida-Georgia Legends Series. we got former Florida legends, Georgia legends, Guys that have made huge plays in this rivalry will have them there at the Weston on Jekyll. You can meet them on Friday, hang out while they do the roundtable and discuss the game, and then, hey, get a room, stay the night, you can go down to the game on Saturday, tailgate, have fun in Jacksonville, and your hotel is back on beautiful Jekyll Island. You're not too far away. So we have that coming up this week. We're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back with more college football right here on Second Down. Second down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source. Wrapping up the weekend of college football. I thought a couple statement games, PJ, from two teams that if I had to put money on it will probably be in the college football playoff. Alabama, 52-24 to over Tennessee. 15th straight win in that rivalry series. Is it really a rivalry anymore if one team has won 15 in a row? I, I, I don't know. Everyone has different definitions for what they think rivalries are. I'm Let's not get into all that. 
I mean, that, that's, that, that goes, that goes <laughs> All right, deep. We're staying that, away from that, the darkness. <laughs> that argument goes deep. We're staying away from the, the darkness. All right, Bryce Young in this game, 31 of 43, 371 yards and two touchdowns through the air. Also added a couple touchdowns on the ground in this game. I think he is now the clear Heisman front runner. Past Matt Corral, past uh, uh, C.J. Stroud, past any of the running backs. I think B. John Robinson, they needed to win one of those games that they've lost yeah, for him yeah. to still be in the conversation. I mean, you're, what, are they a three-loss team now? Like, you can't. Something like that. Yeah. that you also have to be a quarterback. Like, if, if you're going if a winning, if you're going to win the Heisman on a losing team, not even a losing team, right? You got to be Lamar Jackson. With, with, with multiple losses, you have to be a quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Like, Robert Griffin III was able to do it. Lamar Jackson was able to do it. But they were quarterbacks, right? So, like, for whatever reason, you just lose your luster if you're a running back on like a three or four loss team. Yeah. Even if you put up like well, 3,000 yards, they're well, not going to give well, it to Well, Bryce you. Young in this game became the first quarterback in the history of Alabama to just, throw for 350-plus yards yeah. and rush for two touchdowns. Wild. And really, that sentence by itself, even without the stats, like – at this point, you're still putting up records as an Alabama court, like yeah. with with who they've had come through in the past. Well, 15 I was like, I was like come on, I mean, that can't be right. I was like, even like wow. Tua, like Tua's had to have like a 350 plus yard game where he's got a couple sneaks or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Nope, never happened before. It's insane. The school of Joe Namath. Yeah, it's never so happened before. In this game, I thought like I was watching it. I picked Tennessee to cover. Uh, they were 24 and a half point dogs, and I was like, I think, I think they cover this game. I don't think they were going to win. But I can see like 42-21 or something like that. Well, they end up scoring 24 points. And when you look at the game, you're like, all right, Tennessee's hanging around into the first. Tennessee had a lead yeah, on Alabama. It's like the first time Nick Saban had been down seven points in the first quarter in like an ungodly amount of time. <laughs> yeah. But then your offense kind of melts down in the second and third quarters because you, you have three combined points. And then you just – defense just goes to hell in the fourth quarter. You give up 28 points. Yeah. And everybody who took Tennessee in the points was watching that going, Josh Heupel, you're dead to me. Yeah. Absolutely. I know I was. So I thought I thought <laughs> Tennessee, I really thought Tennessee could give Alabama a scare. And they did for like 15 minutes. Uh, and then Alabama <laughs> was able to move on. And listen, I know Indiana's not good at football. They're one of those teams before the year everybody was getting really excited about because of Michael Penix Jr. And then I know he gets hurt. But still, Indiana's yeah. not good at football. But Ohio State is. Yeah, well, they were they, winning forty-four to seven at halftime. Yeah, which is wild, which is wild. Because even like Indiana does, like they treated Penix, Vanderbilt like SEC team, or they treated uh, Indiana like SEC teams treat Vanderbilt. They did, they did, and that was insanely impressive. Because again, like Indiana does have a somewhat respectable defense, uh, even even with Penix being out, and really that offense was all Penix. I'll, I'll say that. Um, he, he single-handedly kept them in and won a lot of ball games for them last year, and that's how it was going to have to be this year if they were going to do the same thing. Uh, but but with him being banged up and just not being himself this year, this is what you get, and especially with Ohio, Ohio State hitting their stride because Ohio State's doing what good teams do and good programs do, and they lose a game, and that, that makes the, they, they make themselves better after that, yep. right? I thought there was a couple, some, some teams do that, anyway. I thought <laughs> there was a couple statement wins this week. Pitt. Handling Clemson, and I'll say handled. They were up twenty-four to ten in the fourth quarter, and then Clemson tacks on a touchdown, and Pitt adds a field goal to make it twenty-seven seventeen at the final. But I mean, that was a game. Again, I took Clemson in this game because I thought, listen, ACC is going to ACC. They're going to hurt themselves, yeah. which that did happen in another game. We'll get to that in a second. Right. But Pitt, do you know who their loss is to? Yeah. No. No. I. 
I know. Believe me. I, I've been keeping my eye on eye on them all year. Well, you, you have to for like safety purposes. You, like, Western you want Michigan. To say it? Yeah. They lost to Western Michigan, they, but they've beaten Tennessee. They've now beaten Clemson. It's crazy. Like, they have a pretty yeah. impressive resume. They're six and one right now, and they're a really good team. But I, I just had a feeling in my gut the ACC was going to ACC at some point this weekend, and they did. It was NC State. Yeah. NC State has beaten Clemson already. They were five and one coming into this game, playing Miami, a team who's just bad. They are. Backup, and, ba- backup quarterback now and everything. Yeah, I mean, Miami comes in with a backup quarterback. Home game for them. Beat NC State 31 to 30. Just the ACC is doing the its best to just be irrelevant. And I I think to a certain point, like you, you can bring that down to the to the teams themselves too, right? Like the, the individual teams. And there's just there's a lot of teams in there that just what once that again. Once they start getting belief in them, it's like they just don't know how to handle it. NC State's kind of one of those teams. Um, I didn't keep track of it because I don't, I don't really care that much, but did did Purdue lose to Wisconsin this oh, weekend they sure or did, did they win? They got handled by Wisconsin 30-13. Exactly. That's, that's Because Purdue's you, just one of those teams, Well, man. I was telling you, Wisconsin is now 4-3, and three and I, uh, they control their destiny in the Big Ten. I will say Wisconsin's played a, a, pretty, a pretty wild schedule like over the, over the course of the year. I mean, yeah, they played you guys. Yeah, they opened and they, up and they that. lost to Notre Dame. They yeah, got, well, the Notre well, Dame. Well, game. It's not even like the wild part is they got smashed by Notre Dame crushed. and Michigan, forty-one thirteen and thirty-eight seventeen. They got, got handled by they by Michigan. It, they didn't. Notre Dame they, scored like what, twenty-eight let, points in the fourth quarter. They let the Notre Dame game snowball. That was the Chicago's uh, at the Soldier Field Stadium, right? Yeah, yeah, that was that one. They, yeah. they let that snowball. That that was a again. That was a one possession game late in the game yeah. and. All right, all of those, all of those, though, all of those pale in comparison to what happened. True, yeah. To what happened with Kansas and Oklahoma out in Lawrence, Kansas. Let's just preface this by saying there were so many incredible points. The number three Oklahoma Sooners came into this game against the one in five Kansas Jayhawks, who I think Kansas's only win is over an FCS team. I do believe I can check on that here in a second. But it was it got to the point where Kansas was winning this football game. And on their local radio stations, yeah. they put out the call to Jayhawks fans everywhere, like, hey, <laughs> hey, y'all, something's happening. Y'all might want to get here. Yep. See, yep. It's getting weird. We, we got plenty of seats. Come on. You know what? You had no tickets. Yep. We're just going to leave the gates open. It's amazing. Hurry. Get here. We yeah. need you. And they did. They did the time lapse of the stadium First quarter, it was like a third full, and uh, yeah, it was like about a third full. And then you get to the fourth quarter, that thing was two thirds full. Yeah, people are like, oh, well, hell yeah, it's like a bunch of college kids because it was a noon kick, so what, eleven a.m. local time? Right, they're probably still in bed. Of and course, they're like, we're doing what? Yeah, we got to get there. The last thing you have scheduled on your Saturday for if you're a college kid in Kansas is going to the Jayhawks game. But I mean, PJ, like, in the fourth quarter, the Kansas Jayhawks with five minutes and fifty six seconds left were up twenty eight to twenty three on Oklahoma. Yeah, and it took. A play that I believe should have been blown dead. They really? gave the ball to Kennedy Brooks and on a fourth and three. They give the ball to Kennedy Brooks, and he gets stoned at the line of scrimmage, and his forward momentum was completely stopped. Mm-hmm. And Caleb Williams, the freshman quarterback who saved them against Oklahoma or against uh, Texas, comes and grabs the ball out of Kennedy Brooks' hands and just takes it and runs. Right. Like, Possession was stopped, yeah. and he just ripped the ball out of his running back's hands and ran for the first down. Everyone like, wow, heads up play. I'm like, yeah, it just should have been a play. Right. It should have been over. Yeah. But it is what it is. Oklahoma is is just – I would be really curious to go back and look and see how many 8-0 teams have won 
or have, have gotten there with a smaller victory margin. Yeah. Like cumulative. Well, Average margin of victory. I'm pretty sure they have, the, and this is without Kansas because they actually put up some points there in the fourth, but I'm pretty sure before that they had six wins already. Kansas, has won, one Kansas has won win this year, 17 of 14 in the first game over South Dakota, which, there, I mean, I love the Dakotas, yeah. but. Of course. No, but uh, Oklahoma has six wins as a one possession uh, game this Western year. Carolina screwed everything up. They beat Western Carolina 76 to nothing. Outside, outside of that, beat Tulane by five, Nebraska by seven, West Virginia by three, Kansas State by six, Texas by seven, TCU by 21, and then last week you beat Kansas by 12. Okay, so it was five. Gotcha. So, so, so you got five there. But and uh, I, they're going to lose a game. I'm just going to say it. They got Texas Tech absolutely. this weekend. Then they get a bye week, and then they're at Baylor, who Dave Aranda has done a really good job out there. Mm-hmm. They're at Baylor, who's number 16 in the country right now. They finished with three top 25 teams. Then they're home against Iowa State, who's crept back in the top 25, who because they just beat Oklahoma State this past weekend, Oklahoma yeah. State's first loss of the year. Right. And then they're at Oklahoma State for Bedlam. Right. To and, finish the season. Yeah. Like that's and, a true freshman quarterback going into Bedlam. Mm-hmm. And Oklahoma State, that, when, when they're at home, it's weird. It's like one of those rivalries. When OK, when OK State's at home, they can beat Oklahoma. When, when they're on the road, there's basically no chance every single year. But when they're at home, they, they can do it. And, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think one of those games is a loss. Even if they get through that completely unscathed, then you have the Big 12 championship game, and you're probably you're playing one of those three teams again most likely. So I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, I, I think even with Caleb Williams there at quarterback, and I know he came in looking like, you know, a superhero for a little bit there against Texas and whatnot, and everyone thought he was a savior. But, like, I don't think you have the same flaws with this team that you had when you were only winning by one possession. Um, and, and, yeah, I, I those those aren't going away just because you have a new quarterback in the game and you got a little bit of juice. Um, so, yeah, I, I think one, maybe even if you get upset or something like that, maybe even two losses still on the schedule for, for Oklahoma. But we'll see. And then who who would they be playing in the Big Ten or the – Big I'm pretty, pretty sure with the Big 12 championship, it's just whoever's second. It's first and second. Yeah, in the I, just, I just don't know who it's going to be. I think right now it'd be it'd be OK State because they they do have that one loss to Iowa yeah. State, but does Iowa State already have two losses in the That's Big true. 12? Interesting. So there you go. I so, mean, and then the, of course the the Western Carolina game completely throws it off, but Oklahoma is averaging 41 points a game and they're giving up 25. Yeah. But you have the shutout there against right. Western Carolina. So it's just, it's Oklahoma's weird this year, man. I don't know. I, I think they're going to lose one of those next three games. We got to take a quick break. We'll come back with more second down after this. Speaking of going zero to 60, PJ, your shirt is phenomenal. Thanks, man. Today. I appreciate that. You got the Raise Hill Praise Boatdales right. going on. It was, this, was a great, this was a great present to the groomsmen and uh, individual. T-shirts picked out and whatnot, and, and when I see the Intimidator, hell yeah! I, I was like, "Good night." Does Does Junior have a? Is it just Junior? Is that his nickname? Yeah, just Junior. Ju- junior, intim- June Bug, whatever you want to call. June Bug. I mean that that was mainly like Daryl Waltrip's nickname for him, but they called him June Bug. June Bug. Yeah, that's either sensual or like paternal. Probably a little bit of both. All right. I mean, it, it, who knows? Adding but, a new meaning to rubbing and racing. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, but whoever, uh, yeah, if if you see my shirt today, it's just a white shirt. It's got it's got the Intimidator Earnhardt on the back. It's got Dale. It's got, it's got the Intimidator only, Junior. It's got not only Dale Junior on the back, but it's Bud Junior. It's 
It's Buddale with the backwards baseball cap. No interstate batteries in here, son. No, no none of that. And uh, it just says Legends. What's the other on one, it. Mountain Dew? It's Legends. Yeah, Diet Mountain Dew. Which, which was always frustrating for me as a Mountain Dew fan and a Dale Jr. fan. Like, That's fair. PJ, we have 50 seconds here. What I want to know from you, because oh, again, no. Penn State lost this weekend. Come on. Uh, what is your process? How do you get, like, um, how do you grieve? And when are you then okay? Normally, it's. It's it's a lot different when it's a good game, good stressful, but but hyped up game against a very good ranked team, uh, or something like that. Ohio State something. This Saturday, I literally just went back in my room. I I think I just kind of laid there and tried to cope for a couple hours, <laughs> tried to get my mind off it and do sure. other things, played some video games and whatnot. But like, I literally was not myself for a good five or six hours. If, and uh, if I tried to come too. I'm down to the Georgia Florida game this weekend, and they lose. I might just keep driving down to Key West and just retire. So we got that going. Three and outs coming up next. I got a big show coming up. Ton of great guests previewing that Georgia Florida game. All that next, right here on ESPN Radio.